I'm Tom Brevoort, Marvel's executive editor and SVP, and you are listening to Spoiler Country. No spoilers. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or use the voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Join the cult of the Spoilerverse, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, well, Johnny, this one is, well, this one's going to be really interesting. It, I agree. <laughs> because we have somebody from one of the big two Yep, that is a serious decision maker within the company at Marvel Comics. And he's been there for a while. 30 years. That's a long time in the comic world. 30 years. Yep. Executive editor, SVP, senior vice president. That's what that stands for. Marvel Comics, Tom Brevoort. Yeah, this was uh, this was another one where I was on it with you. I, I, only, I said a couple things towards the end of it, but most yeah. of the time I was just listening because you'd ask a question and he would just give this long-winded answer that just took you to, I, I mean, you asked about Star Wars and that changed the whole thing. <laughs> well, it wasn't... I wouldn't say long-winded. It's just that we asked specific questions that yeah. that needed more explanation. And right. he did a wonderful job of interweaving things. If you guys are curious about um, Brian Michael Bendis leaving and going to DC, he answers that. If you want to know about Heather's Antos's, um 2017 issues with the Comicsgate folks, he answers that. Uh, if you are want to know about Spider-Man and Miles Morales and Fantastic Four. We go through it all, baby. It was awesome. And if you want to know all about Star Blazers, we talk about that too. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I love, I'm a huge Star Blazers nerd from a long time ago. Um, yeah. And he is as well. And we connected on Star Blazers because we both just love it. I mean, he loved it so much. He went and saw opening day for the live action film in Japan. So... That is nuts. I mean, could you imagine flying to Japan to see a, a movie opening day? It'd be so cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I mean, just want to fly Japan for like, a day for fun. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's cool that he went there to see it and that he loves the movie. You know, that yeah. that's, he's great with that movie, it, which I like the movie. And a lot of people that I know that are Star Blazers fan don't like that movie. You got, you got to take it for what I, I actually remember when that movie was coming out, we were at one of my old houses, like 
I was renting it years and years ago, and you came over and you like showed me the trailer for it on your phone, and I was like, "Oh, really?" I was like, "What is this thing?" Like, it's Starblaze. It's the 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 ship. I mean, you were so excited. I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this is, man. How do you not know Starblaze? I'm like, I I just don't. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you were. I mean, I was watching it in 1979, and you weren't even born. So no, it was three years before I was born. But what's funny is Uh, once I actually looked it up, I did know what it was. I just didn't know it by name. Yeah, you you can't grow up in Japan or in America and not at least see pictures of the spaceship Yamamoto or oh, in yeah. America, it would be Yar- the Argo yeah, or especially if you're in the nerd, if you're in the nerd world and I did, and yeah. I, I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun, but once you guys sit back, get a drink and maybe, um, listen to the styling sounds of Tom Weaver. Welcome back. Today on the show, we're super excited because, well, if you're like I am and you grew up reading Marvel and maybe you were a Fantastic Four fan or an X-Men fan or you just grew up the Marvel way is what I like to say, then you're going to really love talking with with Tom here because Tom Brevoort, the Marvel Senior VP and Executive Editor, thank you so much for coming on. Sure. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Happy to have you here because uh, this is exciting. How long have you been working at Marvel now? I have been at Marvel for in excess of 30 years. Wow. Wow. Three decades. So you were at Marvel. I was 15 when you started. Okay. What well, was you I told reading? me something about your age there. I, I could do that math. Yeah. <laughs> not too hard. Not too hard. What was I reading at the age of 15? A lot of X-Men. I believe. That makes sense. The, we just had, we just had Walton Louise. Spider-Man. Yep. A lot of, yep. McFarlane Spider-Man was, was, uh, well, he was just getting done with the amazing Spider-Man and doing Spider-Man. Yeah. He had, he would still have been on amazing Spider-Man when I started. Yeah. Yeah. That was the the first. The the adjective of Spider-Man book did not exist yet. Yeah, the, that was the first big book that I bought that my, actually my dad and my mom bought it for me without me telling me. They went to Cliff's Comic World in, in East Bremerton and they bought Spider-Man number 300 and it was probably six months to a year after it came out and right, they bought it right. for like $30, which I remember, when, I remember when they bought it, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys spent money on a comic book for me. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't believe it was that expensive that soon thereafter. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but it stayed I like. I had forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, Venom was big, you know. It was, it was a big deal when he, when he showed up. Plus, you know, I've, the older I've gotten, it, I, I still try to collect comic books. You know what I mean? But I, it's hard to yep. keep up with all the titles. Sure, you know, there's sure. so many. And like I was reading Batman for a while. I gave up. There's so many Batman titles. It's it's impossible. You know, I want a nice, clean story arc. <laughs> 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 and uh, but for the longest when I when I got into my teenage years and then that whole speculative market really took off there for a while, especially in the late 80s, early 90s. Sure. Yep. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this and. And it's going to be worth all this money. And then as you get older, you realize, well, that was just a, that's a pipe dream. You know what I mean? If, unless you're getting Spider-Man, you know, amazing Spider-Man number one, or, 
you know, action comics number one, you're not really getting anything that's going to pay for anything else. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're definitely not, you know, you're not buying, you're not, you're not picking up like house buying. Right. Right. But you know, in my youth, I had this, that, that, uh, you know, that amazing 300, Right. Uh, it, you probably could still get the 30 bucks for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, these illusions know, of grandeur it, it as a kid. It won't have appreciated any in the 30 years since then. Exactly. And you might even be able to score a couple more depending on how many copies might happen to be floating around the market. Man, right it's, this second. that book is expensive now. Have you seen it? Uh, what it's what it's going for? Yeah. No, I, I don't keep any track of any oh, of that stuff. Oh, good for you. I, I stopped. I, 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 paid, I paid cover price, so... I've got one. It's in a box somewhere. Uh, you know, I'm I'm good. <laughs> That's good. Well, I like when I was a teenager, early twenties. Then it was all about oh, I want to I want to try to speculate speculate with you know, and it's just so dumb. Now I just <laughs> want to get the books that I've always wanted in my life. Like I really wanted yeah. a first appearance of Punisher. You know, mm-hmm. I really wanted a first appearance of Black Cat. You know. Yep. So I went out and I get those books and then i still read uh every month uh like i'm reading savage avengers i love that right i love right. that arc i well, mean i wish you. thank you yeah that's a great book so executive editor i feel like i'm just telling you about myself and what i love but executive that's editor I like, I like hearing those stories that's, oh, good. that's good good and i particularly like the part where you're buying books that we're putting out so yeah i could listen to that all day <laughs> What does the executive editor at Marvel Comics do? Well, uh, you know, directly in a given month, and I'm talking about an ordinary month. I'm not talking about like the past two months. Yeah. But for an ordinary, we have a functioning society month. Uh, in any given month, I'm, you know, hands on putting out probably around a dozen comic books uh, along with my you know, underling editors, my associate editor, and my assistant editor, and I am overseeing the activities of a big chunk of other editors who are doing the same thing in their various areas. That's interesting. I always wonder because you see executive editor, and I'm like, what exact? Then you have all these other editors, so you're basically you have your books that you edit, but then you are overseeing all the other editors going on what they're doing. Yeah, a bunch of other editors, and you know, I'm involved in whatever conversations about planning and 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 so forth. Overarching. It's a it's a, it's a broad, uh, you know, it's a broad set of responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it'd be a lot of fun though, because I know from reading up on you, your first comic love was Fantastic Four one seventy seven, and that was my first real Marvel book. Yeah. Yeah. What does that book mean to you now? Um, well, uh, you know, obviously I've got my original copy. I've nice. got another copy on this spinner rack over here. Um, you know, the, the individual issue, I mean, I bought, I, I got three of them at once, 177, <laughs> 178, 179. Nice. Um, you know, I, I, in that particular day. Um, and, and, you know, those are good comics. I have, I've got good memories of those and whatnot, but, uh, you know, so Fantastic Four as a title, as a series. Yeah means a, a lot to me more so even than just those individual books did, did it i would assume that you knew when they canceled fantastic four a few years ago that it was coming back and and oh. it, it's not going to take 20 and years for it to come back it took what three years it was about yeah something like that yeah but years. did it break your heart a little bit to have it 
be shelved for that even for those three years? Um, a, a little bit, but if I'm honest about it, yeah, uh, and I feel the same thing. Like I was, I was the outgoing editor. I was the last editor on Thor uh, when Thor ended, and then did not come back at the time of of uh, New Avengers and the Captain America relaunch and the yeah. Iron Man relaunch, and didn't come back for a couple of years until eventually Joe Straczynski and Olivier Coipel brought it back, um, and. That time away, that time of not having a Thor book, Thor kind of went from being a character and a thing that people were only maybe so-so interested in, even when it was done really well, to suddenly something that felt like special and new and cool again. Uh, I think Fantastic Four was the same kind of thing. Like, you know, when the book was around, um, you know, it was a difficult book to get people to jump onto because it had been there forever. People felt like, you know, they knew what it was about. It wasn't their, their, their bag. It was, you know, a, a book with a lot of history behind whatever the, yeah. whatever the case may be. It wasn't a title that re- was really easy to electrify the audience on, on a regular basis, no matter who was doing it, no matter how good it was, you'd have ups and downs, but even, even creative teams that you would think, man, that's going to be a slam dunk home run, no question, you know, over the top sales bonanza, you'd only get kind of middling results on. And as soon as it went away, everybody on earth went, I want it now. I want it back. <laughs> Where yeah, is it? Yeah. Um, so, so the same sort of thing with Thor, um, you know, the, the, the fact that it's not there actually makes people appreciate it and, and, and kind of want it. So when you do eventually uh, bring it back, you know, it's got a it's 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 got a reception waiting for it with open arms. Yeah, I was because I always wondered how that because <laughs> when it came back, everybody got real excited for the Fantastic Four coming back, and I remember going into my LCS and I missed the cutoff to to order that first book. You know, and I was like, okay, well, he's like. He's like, man, I I can order you a reprint if they, if they reprint, and I can get you and I can put you on the list for number two. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding! Did I really miss that? And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, it, as soon as it was announced, people came in, and then I ordered all the ones that I thought. And I, he goes, but I did order more for the shelf. And then I came in to get for the shelf, and I you know I have to work, so I can, I came in yep. after work, and it was already gone. It was already gone. First day gone. Well, I'm, I'm again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. That's okay. <laughs> Luckily, um, I can. I can. Know. You guys have a lot of stuff online, so I can go there. Yep. And do Marvel. Was it Marvel Unlimited? Yeah, Marvel Unlimited. Yep. Yep. So I'm already subscribed to that, so I can read it. So I'm okay. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to have that tactile feel in your hand. I I, I love the digital stuff for the for the uh, you know for the convenience of it. You know, bring out my, my, I bring out my iPad or my, you know, my tablet and open up my app and, and, and go, but man, that feeling of it, there's nothing like getting an old comic from the seventies and breaking it open. And it just smells like the (laughs) seventies. Yep. Yep. It's that, uh, it's that decaying paper. Who, um, who was the writer behind the Thor series with, uh, Jane as Thor? That was um, uh, Jason, Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron, and Jason Aaron. when he brought that idea over to you guys, what was your thought process? Were you like, "This is great," and just went with it, or was there some some discussion on it? Because 
I know online there was a lot of people that were up in arms about it. I thought it was a brilliant take on Thor and how to represent Thor in different ways. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I kind of well, wish they would do more well, of it. Well, well, uh, well. Thank you. I mean, uh, uh, I think uh, you know Jason did as much of it as he wanted to do. Um, you know, and and so you know, there's discussion about just about anything when it comes down to a story that we're doing. But you know, it was very much we we do two or three times a year, uh, and again, this is in a normal year, not in a strange pandemic year, which is throwing right, all the right. rules out. But you know, in a normal year. Two or three times a year, we have editorial summits where we bring in a bunch of our key creators and all the editors, and we sit down for two or three days, and we talk about what everybody's cooking up in their books so as to be able to both know what's going on in all the other titles and to be able to bounce ideas back and forth and synergize or you know take a look at our publishing plan and see what else we might need or if we have too much of something all of these kinds of things yeah um and so so you know whatever year that happened to be you know jason was already writing thor he'd been writing thor for i think at that point at least a a, a year and a half two years um and he came in and said okay i want to do this story where and some of it was an outgrowth of he was going to be writing uh, original sin the, the 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 event series and in the course of original sin uh you know all, all the various characters uh found things uh that that uh, you know sent them all all uh, uh in different directions and and and, and all uh, you know askew uh, uh and the thing that would was going to happen to to thor that jason came up with is he was going to like not be able to pick his hammer up anymore Right, uh, and so from that, you know, Jason came in and kind of pitched this idea: I'm going to have a uh, a new Thor, and you know, she's going to come and she's going to pick up the hammer, and for a while, we're going to just play with her identity, where nobody's going to know who it is, and there'll be a bunch of different characters in the book. It could be, and maybe it'll be Ro- it's Ross Solomon, or maybe it's Jane Foster, or maybe it's Sif, or maybe it's he had a whole list of people. He always knew who it was going to be. Um. But, you know, he, he laid this idea out and basically, you know, while we talked about it, in, you know, in that conversation for however long it was, the, you know, 10 minutes or, or whatnot, that was pretty much it. Uh, and then, you know, he went and did it and, and executed it. Uh, and, uh, you know, people liked it. Some people liked it. It certainly sold well for all the the people that got bent out of shape about it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it did well. And, you know, now, by all accounts, they're going to be using elements of it in the next Thor movie. Yeah. So it worked out all right. Yeah. I thought it was, I don't know. I thought Jason did a great job on it. It made, it was a lot of fun to read. And that's what comic books are for, right? To have fun and to read. Absolutely. And, and sometimes some of them make you think, but most of them just make you feel, oh, this was, this was a lot of fun. I, I mean, that's the, the, the best ones to do anyways. Sure. So, are you are you a Star Blazers fan? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Yeah. You're the first person on one of these to ask me about that in a long time. Oh, so, good. I there you go. That's, love. My, that's my history right there. <laughs> I love you're, it. You're I get, you're abs- getting to the main line now. <laughs> I love Star Blazers. I grew up uh, when I was in 
So this would have been what, 1979, I think it is, when it first came out on American television? Debuted in 79. Yes, September yeah. of 79. Yep, I was in school. I would be, it was on Channel 11 KSTW at 7 a.m. My bus yep. would show up at 7.35. Yep. But I would have to watch all of that series, all of the episode. I would not, and then I would run to the bus stop. Now, the bus stop luckily was only not even a quarter mile away. You know what I mean? It was right. close. Yeah. But yeah. I would run to the bus stop, but I missed the bus so many times. My mom would have to drive me to school <laughs> and she'd get so mad at me because she's watching that stupid cartoon. But it's like, you don't understand, mom. This cartoon is amazing. Have you heard the theme song? <laughs> I'd be on the back of the bus just belting out that theme song as loud as I could. And <laughs> it has stuck with me my whole life. That when I go back, it got me into Japanese animation. It got me into cartoons. It's probably my first love um, as a kid. That's probably my first actual weird, geeky love that I had over everything else was Star Blazers. And, you know, it was for me, it wasn't Yamamoto because I watched it on American television first. It was the Argo, you know? Right. Right. And it was the wave motion gun. And to see that wave motion gun go and then the sound and everything. Oh my gosh. I loved it. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I, uh, yeah, I was a little older and yeah. I didn't really start to, to watch it until like 1982. Yeah. Uh, my, my family, I, I lived, I grew up in New York, uh, and in New York, uh, you know, it played, you know, much as it, as it did in, in your area, it played in the morning. But right. like at six thirty in the morning, so I never, I never really saw it. And, and at that time, like the year before, Battle of the Planets had come out, uh, and I was a big Battle of the Planets fan. And and that show aired at like four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. So all that stuff was better. Uh, for a while, my younger brother was was watching it at, at like six thirty in the morning, and I'd see like two seconds of it or whatnot as I went out the door, and. Art style wise, compared to the 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 work in in the Battle of the Planets, the Gatchaman work, yeah, uh, it looked it just looked cruder to me. It looked it was more stylized. It looked weirder. Yeah. it didn't appeal to me. Um, so my family in, in at the end of 1981, uh, my dad, re, uh, my family relocated to Delaware. My dad was transferred in his his job, and we moved to Delaware. And in Delaware. Star Blazers had been like a perennial show uh, on on you know TV twenty nine nice uh, you know for forever uh, and it was just on in the afternoons round about typically round about three thirty uh, give or take uh, and so eventually you know I would see bits and pieces every once in a while and go this is a weird thing I don't <laughs> I don't like this I don't want to watch this uh, and so there was just there was just one day eventually where. Uh, you know, I was sitting there after after uh, you know, school or whatnot, uh, flipping around because I was, you know, I would have been a like a, a young high school kid. I would have been in like ninth grade. Okay. Uh, so I was, uh, yeah, you know, but so I wasn't driving yet. I was stuck at my house, and my house was in like a new development that was that had just been built up. So there was like nothing around. Right. You couldn't go anywhere. So until I became you know, mobile until I could drive a couple of years later, pretty much, you know, Uh-oh. in a, in a, an after school capacity until like my parents were around to take me somewhere. If there was something to do, 
I was there at the house. And so I would end up watching the, the, the most ridiculous stuff. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, there would, there was one day where I ended up watching most of an episode. And by that, I mean, I, you know, I, I would flip around and I would catch a bit of the episode and either we would get to a commercial and I would flip away or, or we'd get to some point that would lose my attention and I would flip away. But I ended up watching most of this episode and I came back the next, the next day uh, and I started watching it regularly. <laughs> uh, and, then it, and then it just like became a, a thing. And I, you know, not only did I, I, I watched it all, I, I badgered my, my, my family to, to get, you know, in those days it was a much bigger deal. Uh, a, a a video recorder, a big yeah. big old Betamax. Yep, yep. We uh, had one and I, and, with the and corded I got a remote. Yep, and I I you know I taped them all, uh, and I I, I love got this. connected to you know what what was in those days, uh, you know the very early days of what became anime fandom. Yeah, uh, you know, because so I, I found out that you know I I went digging about this like what's what what's the deal with the show. What is this? And I discovered that there was more of it that I hadn't seen that hadn't been brought over. And so the third season, the third season and the film. Yeah. And, the comet empire. Yeah. Farewell, the spaceship Yamamoto. When I found out yep. about that, I flip a lid, man, because I worked in a video store in 95 and I could uh-huh. order whatever I wanted because I was the manager of the store. So I went yep. into the catalog and there it was all three seasons of Star Blazers in its original form, subtitled, yep. and then A Farewell to Spaceship Yamamoto. And then uh, I watched that. I watched it straight through in, you know, in Japanese. And yep. wow, what a different story. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, well, I've, again, I've, 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 I've watched it all. I, I, I saw it all. Um, you know, I, I've got copies of it all at this point. Yeah. Um, and over at my, my, uh, my, my blog page, the Tom page for a while, I've, I'm done now, but yeah. I, I serialized, I, I, I did sort of a retrospective on every episode of oh, the show. I'm going to go so back that, and read it because yeah, yeah. You can go over there and, 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 and go through that stuff. But I also like, I'm a, I'm a big enough fan. Like I met my wife through uh, you know, Star Blazers and anime fandom. Oh, that's cool. That's um, cool. And, and my first, uh, I've been to Japan like twice. Yeah. Uh, and the first time I went to Japan in 2010, I went to see the live action Yamato movie. Oh, I was going to ask you about it. What'd you think? I, 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 I loved it. I know that there are people that have their cripples with it. Yeah. And all of those cripples are fine and correct, but they're all out of their mind. Because it's great. It's a live action Star Blazers movie. Get out of here. I love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was so, so excited I, when I saw the preview. I saw that. Yep. Yep. I saw that opening day in Japan oh, in 2010. I'm so jealous right now. You have and, no idea. And, and, <laughs> and literally, like, and, you know, this is, this is very uh, reflective of how uh, you know, I and my family do stupid things. Yeah. Uh, you know, we pretty much, you know, we flew to Japan on a Monday, which meant we landed on Tuesday. Uh, the film opened on a Wednesday, saw the film on Wednesday, you know, went around, looked at stuff, 
Uh, did a second day on Thursday where we went around and looked at stuff, saw the film a second time, flew back on Friday. Oh, so nice. the, to- the, sum- the sum total of time I was in Japan was maybe two days. I flew, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a long ass flight. Um, and I flew it basically to watch a movie twice. <laughs> That's awesome. But your kids probably love that. Um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was, it was not as exciting for, 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 for them because they had no, you know, didn't have the same connection to the source material or anything, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trip. It's a thing they remember. Yeah. Did you watch the, the 2199, the basic remake? Oh yeah. How yeah. was that? I haven't had a chance to watch it. I, I didn't even know it came out cause it, uh, I just didn't, they but. Just, yeah, they just I don't know if they still have it, but they just they just ran it in English on uh I think it was Crunchyroll. Oh, was uh, it? If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, like I'll they've got it and they had it as you know dubbed. Uh, and it's it's all right. Um I actually had I've been back to Japan one more time since then a couple of years ago for a Marvel event and one of the things we ended up doing and when when I was out there is I ended up having dinner with a bunch of people some of whom were connected to the animation industry yeah. uh, and I had a, a conversation with them about the new show and and the old show and you know one of the things I kind of posited there uh, and they 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 sort of you know at least the people in this party sort of you know confirm this to some degree is like the new show is I mean it's a much it's a much more lavish production. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it does not look as crude. Obviously. Yeah. Um. You don't see you, you don't you can't see the 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 the, the cigarette droppings on the cells uh, anymore <laughs> in in the new show. But for for me, it's also a little bit bloodless. Yeah. Uh, and by by which I mean, um, you know, the the premise of that show is absurd. Right. It's bananas. Right. You know, you your, your buy-in going in is we're going to take a World War II era battleship and literally <laughs> rebuild it into space. a spaceship and fly across space and, and do this stuff. In 365 and, days, they're going to Iskandar and back. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, 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 you know, it's World War II in outer space. And yeah. that's the metaphor. And, and uh, you know, for, for a modern audience and with these modern – uh, creators, they kept trying to do stuff to make that more plausible. And I think that that wasn't necessarily a bad choice, but the thing that it did for me is, you know, any episode of star blazers from the original show, they would blow the heck out of that ship on an episode to episode basis. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would be on fire in space and that doesn't make a bit of sense, <laughs> right. but it looked <laughs> great and it was visually very stunning <laughs> yes and in the in the new show you know they realized that like that doesn't work right so they're they're a lot more precious with it they don't ding it up that much and now it's got you know star trek style shields so it can and and like that all makes sense it's much more plausible but it's also kind of like you're, you're, you're you know, at the point where you're worrying about stuff like that, you got to start to to stare at it and go, it's a it's a battleship in space, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like like, you know, there's 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 no amount of 
a verisimilitude you can you can build up to to really make that go. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 fantasy, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Got to suspend um, so, that disbelief. But that having been said, I thought the 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 the, the, the team that dubbed it, yeah, uh, and brought it over did a very nice job. Uh, and and in in remaking it, like there are some episodes that are that are virtually shot to shot remakes. Oh, that's cool. And but then they also, you know, they div- diverge and they do their own thing and go their own path and do different different things. And so, yeah, you know, a lot of that stuff I like. Some of it I'm not as crazy about. I still prefer the original show, but it's also like that was the original show. That was the show I watched. Yeah. So it's hard to. You're gonna have a hard time convincing me that the remake is gonna be better, right? Um, right. I, yeah, I may just not be. Well, it's be not gonna have that feeling. Like that. Well, and yeah. there's there's got to be a difference too, because the people who created that first show they went through World War II. They there was yes. a pressure yes. on top of them to to. It's kind of like the people who created Godzilla the first time. You know, yes. it's a parallel. Yes, that is exactly right, and that is exactly the conversation that I had. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, you know. Yeah. That the, that 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 the. The difference to me, because one of the one of the tonal problems for me is in the new show, nobody feels particularly worried yeah. about the situation. Like they're all on the mission and everybody's you know committed to it and so forth, but they seem much more lighthearted about it. And uh, you know the original show, like these Very people serious. are. They're under complete stress. Like yeah. everything is at stake at every moment, and there's not, you know, it, it is life or death, you know, I, I, in the simplest of situations. And it's the difference between the generation that lived through yeah. World War II and the aftermath of World War II and the aftermath of the atomic bombings and and the rebuilding of Japan, yeah, and the generation after that who lived in. A repaired and very nice, you know, put together, more technologically advanced Japan of today. Yeah. Um, you know, so 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 you know, just the sensibility uh, of it is is different. Yeah. Uh, and that that specifically was the thing that I ended up you know chatting with uh, with the, with the animators over there. That's like interesting. That, that to me was the was was the real difference between the 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 approach to the two shows. And I can appreciate you know the greater. Certainly, the 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 you know the 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 more modern uh, and and prettier uh, animation style and, and and so forth. But you know, I I I I I I, I miss the 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 guts of the original show. Yeah, you know, I look back. I think Derek Wildstar is is one of the great is. For that era and, and and everything that was going on when you when you go to to uh, quote unquote heroes, I the way they wrote him, the way they portrayed him, he was such a broken hero. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. For sure. I can't think of any other cartoon or you know doing that that type of work during that time frame. And really, it wouldn't be until the '90s that you would have anything that would even come close to the drama. And doing that serialized storytelling like that, I mean, I, I they like broke the mold on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you would get other other Japanese shows that would come over, like a lot of people, a whole other generation. Yeah, uh, you know, the generation the after Star Blazers is the Robotech generation. Yeah, uh, and you know, I I I like Robotech well enough. I watched I watched the original Macross in you know when it was airing in Japan. Yeah, you know, now they would send. 
I had, I, had, I had by that point linked up with enough that the bubblegum crisis fandom that you know you would trade tapes and and get episodes as as they went yeah uh, and so that was another like you know dramatic serialized uh, show I don't like I don't like the Robotech uh, a translation as well uh, I I don't like as much what they what they did with those shows but the next generation you know it, it completely worked for them right uh, but yeah you really kind of have to get to the to the 90s before. Uh, you know, American shows started to do the same kinds of things. It was just weird because I'm like, at that time, I'm six years old, you know, and I'm yeah. watching this show and it's literally affecting me. And it really came down to <clears throat> the, sorry, excuse me, the uh, mm-hmm. character writing. Like Derek's relationship with the captain was stupendous. You yeah. know, it was broken. It was stressful but then you could feel the bond the whole time. It was, I don't know, greatly written. It's a, it's a, it's a great show. It's kind of a shame that it's not easily available today. Yeah, I'm. Well, I knew Disney in the '90s had the rights to do a live action. I don't know if they still do, but they did in the. I, I read that they did. Anyways, I should say that I read that they yeah. at one time had the rights to do it, and I really they're, wish they're. There was a, there was a, you know, there was a point. I mean, it, it still gets talked about that there'll be a, a movie. Um, there was a script done in the nineties. I've read that script. Um, that script was not good. Right. Wasn't ready for prime time. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was not, it was not, it, it had one or two good things about it, but it was not good. And it was not really the show. Yeah. It was, you know, they took a couple of elements from the show and the wave motion mixed gun. It up differently and <laughs> kind of I mean one of the one of the one of the problems was legally because of all the different copyright holders in different uh countries, they they couldn't you know, you couldn't do the ship looking like that. Oh. So they have a wave motion gun in that m- movie but it's not in the front of the ship. It's kind of up on the deck. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I kind of was, nah, nope, don't want it. <laughs> don't want it. <laughs> Next. Oh, man. When you think about a live-action movie Hollywood-style coming out, who do you see playing? Do you? Because do you, I, I, like, at one point, I casted the whole movie. You know, mm-hmm. and the only mm-hmm. one that I can can remember that I feel like would still be amazing is Jeremy Irons as Deslock. Mm-hmm. Sure, and, I could see that. You know what I mean? I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. looks like him. His mannerisms are the same based on you know what you're when, from from what you see on on in the movies. I always think of him in uh, Die Hard. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> is that sure. Die Hard Three sure. that he's in? Yep. And uh, I always think of that, and I'm like, oh my god, he'd be a perfect Deslock. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I, I've never thought about casting it, and honestly, I kind of don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I saw the Japanese live action movie. That's my live action movie. If yeah. they do one and it's good, I'll be happy. If they do one and it stinks, I'll still have that. If they never do one, I'll still have that. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm covered. Um, at this point, I'm 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 good. I feel like I got my I got my money's worth. I got the thing I wanted. Nice. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 satisfied. Um, you know, again, if they if they do one, I'll go see it. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, I cer- yeah. Me too. I certainly will. I'll be standing right behind you. That it's, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll hope that it's I'll hope that it's great. 
Um, but uh, you know, my 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 need for it to be that just it it's it just not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Hey, did you read the comic book? I I I, yeah, I read the first of the two Kamiko yeah, series. Um, you know, that was it was it was not it was not the greatest adaptation in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I did read it back in the day, and I was aware of the second one. Um, and then later in the '90s, they did the the the, the '90s comic, yeah. Uh, and that was that was a lot better, and and some good people worked on that. Notably, Tim Eldred, who still runs the 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 main Star Blazers uh, Yamato fan uh, page. Yeah. How. <clears throat> When you guys talk about doing crossovers and doing the huge events like the Fall of the Mutants and uh, all those types of events, what goes? How does that process start? Is it like a single idea that maybe you or or some or somebody else has and says, "Okay, how do we tie this in?" Or because I've always been curious on this. Well, I think I mean, there's no one size fits all answer. Typically, right. in any given any given year in that sort of spring summer area, we're going to want to do a big story. Uh, and typically those big stories grow out of things that are going on in the individual titles. So, you know, typically, you know, we're not just working on whatever the, the big story is. Now we kind of have a sense of what the next one, maybe even the next two are likely going to be. And that can change and shift as we as we go and as as stories develop. Right. Um, but so it really comes down to coming, you know, somebody having an idea for that kind of story because you know we know there's going to be a, a desire for it and a need for it that you know people in the as we talk about it respond to uh, and get excited about. Um, you know, and that's 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 really the the, the crux of it. Um, you know, typically, you know, not universally, but as universally as we can make it, um, you know, those, those event stories are, are, are opt in by choice. You know, we try not to force people to do tie-ins or things, right. um, because you don't really get great comics if you're making people, uh, connect, you know, people tie in because they, they want to tie in either because, they're excited about something in the story or what the story can do for them, or they're excited about the idea of being able to put more eyeballs onto the, the project that they're working on and maybe, you know, capturing some of that audience or, or, or what have you. Um, but it tends to be as, as much as we can make it a volunteer operation. So, so we're not having to, to, to really twist people's arms. Doesn't mean that sometimes that doesn't happen. It certainly doesn't mean right. that sometimes there are disagreements between the editor on a given book and the and the, the the creative team on a book as to whether or not they should be tying in because what may make more may, may make sense commercially and what may make sense uh, creatively may not always line up perfectly. So I, I don't want to make this sound completely utopian, but generally speaking, you know, we try to do this on a volunteer basis. Right. Um, and 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 then again, it's really about like. You know who's got the who's got a story that we think could could uh, you know could do this and again what what area what itch haven't we scratched what kind of thing have we not done what's in the zeitgeist at a given moment what kind of things should we be talking about through the metaphor of our characters and and uh, you know how does that all how how does that all then you know map out and play out and then typically somebody is the person that's putting that story together and writing it and they do an outline and they work with their editor 
to refine that outline. And then, you know, some kind of a basic beat sheet or, or presses is sent around to the other editors and the other creative teams going, here's the event. Here's how the story works. Here's how your tie-ins can work. Here's a yeah. couple of different ways you might be able to do tie-in stories or stuff we haven't thought of yet. And then all the editors talk about it with their creative teams and they come back <laughs> with ideas and say, Hey, we want to do parts, this Daredevil Tom. story as a, as a part of this. And we think it's this and could we do this? Wow. And you know, you try to figure out whether or not what they want to do can connect or dovetail into what's going on in the, yeah. in the main, main thing. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of block and tackle involved. Yeah. Um, but it's, oh, it's, it's all relatively harmonious. Do you ever have somebody like a Donny Cates come up and just have such a great idea and such a cool thing to do that even though it kind of messes with what's going on and what the idea of what's going to happen to get to this end game, um, do you guys have to go back in and say, we really want to incorporate this because if we don't do it now, it might not make as much sense or be as cool later on? Um, oh, sure. We've had things, you know, we've changed, not necessarily in mid-story. Like, once a story yeah. is started, we're, we're pretty much on the tracks. Yeah. But in terms of our planning, you know, most famously, uh, the best example of this, it goes back before Donnie um, a little bit, was that, you know, years ago, uh, we did House of M. And the year after House of M uh, was going to be what, what what ended up being World War Hulk. Oh, cool. Um, and we we had a we had a retreat. We went to this retreat, and and for like a day or two, all the people involved were talking about this whole idea. And it, it's, it wasn't just World War Hulk; it was also the Planet Hulk story that that set it up. The Hulk would, yeah. you know, the Avengers were going to shoot the Hulk into space. He was going to end up on this planet and go from like slave to gladiator to 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 rebel to king, and then he was going to come back with all of his guys and fight all the heroes on Earth and we just we we spent two days and we could not make it work and everybody was really getting frustrated and also a little bit panicked because you know oh this is a thing we're going to do and so the night of the second day uh, Mark Miller and Brian Bendis went out you know they were they were in the same hotel yeah uh, and they they started talking over dinner or drinks or whatnot and you know Mark started talking about well you know well, the kind of thing I want to do is. You know, this thing where in New York and there's these armed, uh, you know, uh, guys everywhere, you know, at all the train stations and all the major throughways because it's after 9-11 and there's all this heightened security. And if you had superheroes, you'd be dealing with all this stuff. And they bounced stuff around for that night and came in the next day and, and had the basic idea for what in the room grew into civil war. Oh, and so we ended wow. up pun pushing back the world war hulk story you know by like you know 10 months a year uh but that was good because that gave the hulk part of the story the planet hulk part yeah. of the story the time it needed to do the hulk is going to be shot off into space and he's going to end up on this planet he's going to go from slave to gladiator to to rebel leader to king and make that journey uh you know feel earned so that when he came back that felt earned um, and so, so that whole civil war story, you know, uh, just evolved in the course of that, uh, that retreat, uh, and, and uh, in some ways out of the desperation of something's not working right with, with this world war Hulk story. Um, so yeah, sometimes things will, will shift around or change 
because it's not just not the right time or we don't have things lined up properly or or or, uh, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's it's not even all that rare. You know, things will things will jock back, jock back and forth. Um, uh, you know, again, depending on where people are on their stories uh, and how much they've got. Donnie usually, you know, plans things out super far in advance. So he doesn't just know what his next story is going to be in Venom or whatever. He knows what the next one's going to be and the one after that and the one after that. And here's my plan for the sixth one that I'm building to all the way down here. And so sometimes he has to adapt to the things that are going on <laughs> elsewhere. If there's something happening in Spider-Man that suddenly is going to impact on something he wants to do in his fifth story, um, you know, or, or, or in, you know, whatever book in, in fantastic four or yeah. the Hulk or, or whatever. Uh, and that's true of, that's true of everybody. Um, you know, but that, that's, that's the, that's the fun and the responsibility of working in the shared sandbox. That is the Marvel universe. That's awesome. Though. How do you keep track of that stuff, man? Do you have like a giant flow chart sitting in your office or is it all in you um, guys' minds? I mean, cause that sounds incredible amount of gears to keep on track. It, it, it is in every case. And I, you know, I typically do have, you know, a big, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, power pro, uh, spreadsheet, you know, that, that, that's charting, uh, you know, a bunch of the books and what's going on and all the yeah. books every, every month out for however long as do all the, the other key editors, you know, in the, in the, in the place. Uh, and we talk back and forth, like a lot of this, it sounds complicated, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily impact in a big way on the next issue of, of Avengers per se, but it does impact on when, these storylines of these events are going to spread out across the whole of the Marvel universe and need to be reflected in places. So things like if Iron Man's going to get a new, uh, a new armor redesign in, in the Iron Man book, I need to figure out when that's going to also be incorporated into Avengers and where the natural break point is in that story to go, okay, this adventure is over. In between this adventure and the next adventure, Iron Man would off, had that other story in Iron Man, got his new armor, and now he's back looking like this. Right, right. You know, so there's there's stuff like that, and there's stuff the other way, too. If Iron Man goes through some big thing in Avengers, you want to be able to reflect that in issues of Iron Man. So, so you know, we also – I also send out every week to uh, – I got a little mailing list of – of my key Avengers contributors. And it's now kind of grown beyond that to a bunch of the different people working at Marvel. Yeah. You know, I send them, I send them copies of all the books that go to print that week, all the Marvel universe books. Um, I don't know that anybody reads them all, but I do know that most everybody reads at least some of them. Um, and that's a way that, you know, they can keep up with what's going on in, in each other's books. Uh, and I even be ahead because they'll be getting them, three or four weeks before they're on sale. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. When do you guys still do inventory stories? Is that what, that's what it's called, right? When you had it, the filler it stories used to be, yes, yes. We really not, not in that way. Not really. Yeah. Um, because the way the market exists now and, 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 and the way the stories are built, um, you know, what, what the audience wants, we really, we really don't and can't, uh, run, just a random inventory story in the middle yeah. of the run. Do you miss that? It just doesn't work. Um, I, I, I really don't. Yeah. In that, while occasionally you would get a cool inventory, um, most of them were were kind of lame. Most of <laughs> right. them were. 
they, I mean, and you know, without without meaning any slight to anybody yeah. who worked, a lot of people started out doing inventory stories and yeah. such. You know, so they tended to be done not by the A team in any given place. They got, you know, they tended to be done by guys that were trying to make their bones or guys that were, you know, long established journeymen who needed some work um, and who could, you know, put together an entertaining issue of Captain America in 20 pages that, you know, would, would, would keep the presses running that month. Um, and so, you know, uh, most of them tend to not be terribly memorable. Uh, and so not, you know, I, I, I didn't get into doing this to produce a lot of work that's not memorable. Um, sometimes it's unavoidable and sometimes we certainly make crummy comics um, because this is not science. It's alchemy and art. And so, right. you know, you, you, you know, you take your best swing every time and sometimes you hit a home run and sometimes you strike out and sometimes you foul out. And sometimes you're thrown out at second, um, you know, like, like you, you can't control that. Um, but but, you know, that I think is I, I, I like that better than I like just dropping a random. Yeah, it's you know, it's it, it's 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 an adventure. It's got 20 pages. You know, Spider-Man fights somebody. Yeah, there's a there's a story, but it doesn't really impact or affect anything. And I don't think the audience these days, uh, you know, with the cost of the books yeah. and with how everything is so connected and plugged in, I don't think the audience really wants that either. Right. I mean, they complain about the about you know the issues or stories in air quotes not counting or not mattering, even when they're by the regular teams. <laughs> so, you know, the idea that an issue would just show up and it'd be a daredevil story by whoever is not the regular guys on the thing, you know, Chip Starsky takes the month off and somebody else is writing, you know, 20 pages of daredevil. I can't imagine people, you know, being happy with that reading experience and it making them want to come back right. to say nothing of the fact that nowadays, Pretty much everything we do virtually is collected as 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 books. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so you know they get into in, that in trade the, paperback it, and you know. Yeah, it's 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 disruptive and it's you know it it sticks out like a sore thumb. You know, back in the day when these were just kind of disposable periodicals, you know, after your month was over, you know, it was it was it was done and gone. You sold yeah, you sold a lot of number sense. of comics you needed to sell that month and. You brought the money in that needed to be brought in, and you were you were over and you know back to regular programming. Yeah, uh, it's just a different it's just a different world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now with the with the advent of the internet, and it seems like uh, when I was, you know, when I started reading and collecting comic books, and I get my bags, and it took me about six years before I realized that oh, I should put boards in the back of these, and I knew the names based on what I read. But you didn't know anything more than the name of the person, right? I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know. Uh, I, I wouldn't have correlated the fact that Jim Shooter was an overarching editor across all these titles, you know, in the 70s and yep. 80s. Yep. It just wouldn't click with me. But now at the yep. 80s, you see somebody like Brian Michael Bendis leave Marvel and, and then show up at DC. Uh, how do you guys go about feeling about that type of stuff being out there? Because it, it, you guys have a plethora of talent. So I felt like, um, you know, Michael leaves and to me, or, or Brian leaves and to me, Donnie Kate steps up and it seems like it, you guys have a really good knack of picking the right people. But on top of that, you know, what is it, what goes through the process when somebody does leave? Is there a lot of shoring up of stories? Is there any type of scramble? And, and just oh. so you know, Tom, if, if, 
if I ask you any questions and you're not, you don't want to talk about it, just tell us and it's, and we'll just edit it out. I don't want you to feel oh, like oh, you need to. Oh, oh don't worry. Okay. I, I will be, yeah, if there's something that I, I don't want or really can't talk about, yeah. I'll, I'll say it. But okay. This is, this is, this is fine. You know, first off, um, you know, you're right that the internet has made this tougher, Yeah. but it was, you know, depending on how old you were and how plugged in you were again, I'm, I'm obviously a bunch of years older than you were. And in the eighties, when stuff like that was happening, I knew everything that was going on because I was following <laughs> the trade magazines Heroes and I was following the comics journal and I was following the comics buyers guide. And so yeah. while I might not have been able to recognize Chris Claremont in a, in a lineup, right. I knew when he and John Byrne were not going to be working on X-Men anymore and that John was going to be taking over Fantastic Four. And now this new guy, Paul Smith, was going to be coming in to draw X-Men. And, you know, all of those shenanigans, there was an audience for it. It just was a smaller audience because it was harder information to to, to get out. You only really had what was in the books. Um, And, and, uh, you know, so that's, you know, the, the, the fact that there's greater transparency means just that more people are aware of it and, the, the, the people that really care about it, like I did in the eighties, you know, can more readily, uh, uh, you know, plug into that and get that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we work at Marvel uh, and, and you know, I say this and people are going to laugh <laughs> <laughs> and they're good. They're going to laugh because as, as the biggest company, you know, and, and as uh, you know, a piece of, of Disney, it is natural to think about Marvel as being the evil empire. Right. Um, but at, at, at Marvel, we work very hard and we have worked very hard for a very long time uh, to try to foster an environment that is you know, friendly, accommodating, open and welcoming to creators. We want the best creators working for us. We want them doing their best work. We want them being part of of the team with us and we want everybody working hand in hand to create great stories and we try to create and foster that environment um you know brian was with marvel for 14 years 15 he did a he was he he did a lot of time i may have been longer than that when i stop and think about it maybe you know that's closer to like yeah brian michael been there a long time yeah brian not only not only had he been there for that long but as sort of like a a, a, a top dog ascendant talent, yeah. he did just about everything it was possible to do. Like you can't you can't really easily think of like books or characters that Brian didn't write and didn't write for significant chunks of time. Didn't touch so in some in, way. Yeah. So in, in, in some ways the uh, you know it was not you know it wasn't like it was a welcome thing that he was going to go over and, and do stuff with with DC, but um, you know it was not surprising either because you know it it becomes more difficult after a while for him not to be repeating himself at, at Marvel and at DC. There's a whole wide open field of of characters and ideas and things that he read when he was you know, an, an up and coming, uh, you know, reader and, and, and would be, uh, a creator, uh, just like, uh, we did, uh, and that he's got affection for and ideas for, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a virgin landscape to, to, to play with, yeah. you know, hopefully at some point, you know, your hope would be that eventually he'll come back and do more stuff for Marvel yeah. either way, you know, wish him, wish him the best on everything that he's doing. I'm, you know, I'm following, I'm, I'm keeping up. Not so much these last two months because there haven't been any. Right. But you know, I've been keeping up. Uh, you know, with 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 the books he's been been writing over there. Oh my god, there's so uh, many and, of them. 
yeah, and and like you say, you know, hopefully, you know, we try to be good at at fostering and and bringing in and building up, uh, you know, new talent and new voices, you know, so that as people rotate out and because they they do everybody's everybody's got a certain for lack of a better term shelf life and that sounds that sounds kind of awful but it's the only term that really like you're you know you're 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 there for a while it's your time your moment in the sun and then it's time for the generation after you to take your place especially in that creative Um, process and, and yeah and and so you know we're constantly looking and working to build up who are the who are the new voices? Who are the new people? And you know, how do we develop them and build them up so they go from whatever, go from writing Thanos to writing Guardians of the Galaxy to writing Venom to writing, right. you know, Thor, you know, and 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 to become, uh, you know, the people who can step into those positions when the time comes when those when those positions are gone. Nobody particularly wanted Brian to to leave. Uh maybe Donnie did. It was an opening, but <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I really, you know, nobody nobody did. But but, you know, the the, 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 the the truism of Marvel is, you know, for the most part, when these things have happened, uh, you know, we've we've survived. You know, yeah. the, the thing that I that I tell people is Jack Kirby left Marvel in nineteen seventy. And Marvel's still here. Yeah. If Jack, if Jack can leave and Marvel is okay, <laughs> then pretty much any of us are replaceable. Right. <laughs> it's, that's a and, healthy attitude and, to have and, about it, actually. And that's it. You know. Hey, so. So the, the, in 2017, Heather Antos tweeted out a picture get, having milkshakes with her with her girlfriends there in the office. She had a she got a bunch of slack. It was ridiculous, and Marvel as a company really stepped up and, and condemned the actions of the people that that went th- that you know targeted her. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. What did that do for you guys' environment? Did it really put some things into perspective of wow, there is some really, for lack of a better term, crappy people out there that are forcing things that aren't what Marvel because Marvel to me has always been very much on the forefront of being progressive when it came to race, when it came to sexuality, when it, you know, I learned my right. ethics and moral value from reading Stanley's uh, forwards. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I think certainly, you know, that was, uh, you know, to some degree a wake up call. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that there is, you know, some small subsect of, uh, the audience that 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 feels that way, uh, and not just that they feel that way. Anybody's entitled to feel however they want yeah, right. or to respond to the work however they want. The 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 fact that they 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 feel the need to act out in that way. Right. Um, you and know, it wasn't just it wasn't just that people were were uh, you know were upset that there was a, a photograph of of a, a bunch of lady comic book editors drinking milkshakes. It was the way they went about harassing and abusing. And, and and belittling and talking about those people, yeah. colleagues of, of mine and colleagues of the rest of our staff, that was uh, distressing. Did it feel but, like an attack you know, on on you guys as Marvel as a whole more than just Heather and, and the and the people that were shown? It, it is, although obviously it affected those people more because right. they were on the front lines. And you know the the reality too is there's 
there's only so much you can do about it. People yeah. are going to make whatever YouTube videos they're going to make. And, you know, I, I could choose to watch them or not watch them. You can guess which one I tend to, I tend to follow. Yeah. Um, you know, anybody's entitled to their, their opinion. Uh, when it, when it starts to turn into like, you know, harassment and so forth, I have no, I got no truck with it. Personally, yeah. I just, I just block that stuff. Yeah. I don't um, blame you. And, and I just, I, you know, and I don't, I, I try not to think twice about it Yeah. Uh, at this point. And certainly there are those who will run around with that as a badge of honor or who will feel terribly slighted. How dare he block me? I was just trying to give my, uh, you know, to show my opinion and Marvel doesn't care about its fans. And, um, that's no, no, so no, 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 I'll, 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 I'll listen to any, any sort of, of criticism and I'll respect your, your point of view, um, when it comes to the work, right. when it comes to talking shit about my colleagues yeah. and the people on our staff, um, you know, if you were in my house, I, I'd, I'd ask you to leave. And if you didn't leave, I would make you leave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is, and this, and this is no different. You know, if you want to do that, that's fine. There's plenty of places out in the world where you can go and, and bitch about this stuff for whatever reason it is. Yeah. You know, there's a million reasons why people are, are, are drawn to these stories and these characters. And none of it is, is, is per se wrong. Everyone likes the stuff that they like. And theoretically there's room for everybody to have their areas and have their stuff. Uh, and, and the problem comes when, uh, people feel such ownership over this stuff that they just get, and, and it's a fanish thing. Like we've all, yeah. we've all had it. I remember when I was a reader and I didn't like, you know, they, they changed, uh, you know, they, 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 they changed Spider-Man's costume to the black costume. Yeah. I did not like that. <laughs> and so, you know, I stopped, I stopped reading Spider-Man, which would seem to be the, the sensible way of, of dealing with that. Right. right. Uh, and, and certainly if I was in a conversation your with money. my buddies, I would, you know, I would bitch about that. Oh, they put Spider-Man in that crummy black costume. How stupid can they be? <laughs> See the, the opposite? I love the black come. costume. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's 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 a generational thing. Yeah, uh, and now it's it's been around for so long that it's not even a thing. But yeah. at the time, it's that iconic. was a huge. But you know, I, I I didn't feel a need to stalk Tom DeFalco. Right. I, I didn't feel a need to like you know a uh, uh, belittle uh, Ron Friends uh, or, or or to tear down uh, you know Roger Stern right. because they right. were doing this 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 story. I didn't take it that personally. I took it personally enough to go. I'm upset. I'm not going to read this, the Spider-Man book anymore because it's not doing things that I like. Um, but I didn't feel a need to like Did you- storm the storm the gates and fix Spider-Man's costume and demand an apology for the <laughs> fact that it was a black costume all these or, or 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 whatever the or whatever the heck it is. Right. You know. Um. I think I think you know and and like you know that was that was my opinion. Uh, that was how I felt at that at that moment. You know, that's not necessarily the way I feel now. Whatever. Hey, 40, 40 years later. But it's you know that was that was it, and that was genuine, and that's that's fine. That's part of being a reader and a fan and an enthusiast. But it you know the line gets drawn when you start treating people, real human being people, yeah. like crap. Yeah. That's what I felt when I read those tweets and stuff. I was like, this is a joke. This is ridiculous. You know, I, yep. I, I was, you know, I was done that whole community part. I don't even like, <clears throat> I don't, you can't even say names of people that are in. And I'll just say that community because I don't know who they are. Yeah. You know, it's, and, it, and, and you're honestly, you're better off just like not knowing, yeah. you, you know, like, 
there's nothing there's nothing to be gained your 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 life your experience you know in this world will not be made better by exposing yourself to that right uh, it will not illuminate you in some way it will not make you a better person it will not make you a more round, rounded individual it's just a lot of agita that you just don't need yep. and so yep. you know for me anybody shows up that i feel like is expressing themselves in that kind of way i just i just get don't rid of them it. in my in my feed and and that's that's it. And you know, if they want to decide that oh, he can't take criticism, that's fine. Go bitch about it wherever it is that you bitch about this stuff. Feel free to do that. It's a it's a free world. There's a whole lot of internet out there. Pick your corner, stake you know, put your soapbox up, stake your claim. Yeah, that's fine. I don't I don't need it in my world. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. I like it. You know, it's funny you brought up the black costume, mm-hmm. and uh, I had the same feelings. Uh, I was a huge magic fan right mm-hmm. Ileana rasputin i that was yep. one of the first books that i read was her miniseries but from back in the early 80s and wow, we i was along so we were getting along so well here <laughs> <laughs> i snuck into my brother's room and he had this the miniseries and i read it and i was like oh my lord i love this and and then i started reading gi joe and and i read transformers and then i got into spider-man but when Inferno happens, right, mm-hmm. and the and yep. and Louise Simonson did a brilliant job of building her up more and more and more throughout Inferno, and then they take everything away, and they make her a little girl, and they take all her yep. powers away. I was crestfallen. Yep. I, I I did not pick up a book that had to do with X Men or new, anything that was going to have possibility of where Ileana would have been in. I couldn't read it. I was like, nah, I just can't do it. Cause they've, yep. they took my girl away. <laughs> yep, yep, no, no, look, I, I, and I, I, I totally get that. Um, I don't necessarily think that that was, you know, it was wrong of them to do, but that's, well, you know, the, the, I, I, I tell our younger editors yeah. that, you know, the magic trick that is our stock in trade um, that we try to do every single month, every single issue, is to take lines on paper and turn them into real people that that the audience cares about. Yeah, and that's what you're talking about. Yep. You cared about that character. You were invested in that character, and then this thing happened, and she I felt was like I read her journey from the beginning, child and so forth, and like that was it for you. Yeah, and that's that's completely fair. But the fact that 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 there is that connection. That's that's the key to everything we do, uh, and honestly, awesome. being too being too precious with the characters and 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 with the mythology, with the world, and being afraid to to change things up or afraid to 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 to, to put characters through the ringer and so forth. Yeah, that's the kiss of death more than anything because yeah. that just gets dull fast. Right, you can't you don't have anything to change at that point. Yeah, yeah. So so again, I feel. I feel for your experience. I certainly, <laughs> you know, I've had characters that I've, that I, that I like that have gone through periods or stories or things that I haven't liked, you know, at Marvel and elsewhere. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's what it is. I kind of feel like having, you know, read the books for as long as I have at this point. Yeah. Um, I've got enough of a, a, a macro sense now to kind of go, well, you know, every everything this too shall pass. Right, right. Um, you know, and and so if you just wait long enough, or you know, if it's not for you right now, 
move on to something else, you know, read or pay attention, yep. follow something else. Yep, that's exactly right. Content in the world, and eventually the wheel will turn again, and something else will will happen, well, and, and and it'll 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 pop back up. Well, doing this, I'm lucky that I get to talk to people like you. And talked to Walt and Louise Simonson, who I then asked, why did you do this to her? <laughs> who said, well, I actually had a whole story arc to bring her back, but things didn't work out at that time. And I had to move on to other things. And so I didn't get it back. But she goes, but this is what I was thinking. And I was like, oh, you just cured everything. <laughs> well, there you go. So you get lucky. Hey, what's it like walking? And I know you, I don't, I don't know. Right now, I don't know what it's like walking anywhere. I know, right? Neither do I. This, I haven't been out of this house in ten weeks. How weird is that? How weird is uh, that? Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a bit of a sea change. Yes. But I was going to ask, how is it following people like Stanley and Jack Kirby and wanting to at least get the stories and the and everything with they're going to that they would be happy with as well. But I mean you can't satisfy everybody and I'm sure there's tons of stories that have been produced that Stanley and Jack Kirby would have been like, "Oh my god, what are you guys doing?" But at the same time, the the feeling of everything cuz the one thing I feel like Tom when I read Marvel today, I still feel like you guys are producing content that would have been happy in the 80s, happy in the 90s, happy, you know, obviously today that you're not just throwing out all that history that you guys are trying to keep everything. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Respectful of everything that's come before, you know, and moving well, well, forward well, and having well, that change. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, again, we, we, we work at trying to, to strike that balance between, yeah. uh, you know, honoring the stuff that's come before and, you know, pushing all the characters and all the stories and things into new areas and new directions that they haven't been yet because the dullest thing in the world is to read the same story over yep. and over and yep. over again. You know, so you're constantly looking for what new angle, what new twist, what new take, what new thing can you put Spider-Man through? What new villain can he fight that he hasn't fought before? What new conflict, what new uh, problem can he grapple with? That is in some way a Peter Parker problem that we haven't seen before, but that feels like it's of a piece with all the stuff that's come before. Uh, and, and how do we do that again and again and again every month, sometimes a couple of times a month in different books? Uh, and that's, you know, that's what all of our, our creators, uh, you know, work out and wrestle with every every month. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I appreciate that, that that you feel like, you know, we've been we've been, uh, you know, maintaining the the overall consistency of, of the Marvel universe I think you uh, have. And, and, and the stories of the characters and, and, uh, you know, trying to live up to that legacy. Uh, you know, we certainly try it with every book every month. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, sometimes, you know, sometimes we strike out it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's rules of the game. If you're at bad enough, you're not going to hit the ball every single time. Right. Um, but, but we, every time you get into the batter's box, you swing like you mean it. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, that, that's all we can do. That's like the best we can do. Uh, you know, and, and typically it's, you know, it's the audience that tells us what's, what's working and what doesn't. And it's very democratic. If, if people respond to something or like something, chances are we're going to try to do more stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and if people don't respond to something, it's going to go away and we're going to try to do stuff that's different from that. Um, because that's, that's what the audience is, is, is telling us as a whole that, that they're responding to. 
Yeah. Did you have a chance to meet Stan Lee? I would assume you would have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I met Stan. I worked with him a bunch of times. What, did he give you um, any lasting advice that just stuck with you? Um, No, not a, not advice per se, although I'm sure, you know, there are nuggets of of truth or wisdom, you know, scattered throughout whatever interactions there were. Yeah. Um, you know, o- o- over the years, um, you know, but, but, you know, the, the, the same stuff that Stan would have, would have said to me is the same stuff that he said to everybody and said publicly and said in a million interviews and things, yeah. you know, over the years, you know, that the, that the real, the real trick of this stuff is it's not about the costumes and the and the, the 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 powers and the gadgets and 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 that stuff it's about the people inside the costumes and the human problems that they have and that's that's you know the, the I think the that's trick so true it. yeah um you know you know uh, uh what makes spider-man spider-man isn't the red and blue costume or the black costume if you happen to go that way yeah um you know and 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 the web shooters and the stick in the walls it's Peter Parker's life versus Spider-Man's life. It's yeah. balancing, you know, the needs and responsibilities and calling of being a young guy, uh, you know, in the world with, you know, the, 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 the duties and the responsibilities of trying to make the world a better place as, and use your powers responsibly. And that's, that's it. And as long as you can find stories that, that, that touch on that, there'll be good Spider-Man stories. That's, that's really the, the key. Tell me who that 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 character is inside the the costume. Tell yeah. me what he what he loves. Tell me what he wants. Tell me what he dreams of. Tell me tell me what he's afraid of. Tell tell me what the worst thing that could happen to him is. Tell me what the best thing that could happen to him is. Tell me what his hopes are, and then I'm going to care when he's in a life or death situation and has to make choices and has to live with the consequences of those choices. The the story that hits me with Spider-Man will always be Craven's last hunt. I think mm-hmm. that is, was such a powerful story and it ends in such a shocking way. And I, sometimes I wish it would resonate more within Peter's uh, identity to still today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it does as much as it, as it did for those first few years after it came out. I mean, you're talking what 35 years ago now, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it was so good. Uh, yeah, it's, we had it's a it's a great story. It, it it you know it's 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 lasted the the test of time. Yeah, I wish they would do I wish they would do that as a movie. I would be so excited. I told uh, mm-hmm. Jay and D. Mateus we were talking, and I was like, man, they need to have Tobey Maguire come back and Sam Raimi come back and do that <laughs> story. Because <clears throat> I'm just I want to I want an adult Spider Man. Because when mm-hmm. I because when I started reading Spider Man, you know, I'm, we're in the '80s. So the big events were, were the black costume and him getting married yep. and Craven's last hunt. Those were the big events all in his late twenties, early thirties, you know, not the high school stuff, which was great. Late, 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 late twenties at the oldest. Yeah. But it was just good late stuff. Late twenties at the oldest. <laughs> he might've, he might've, he might've seemed to you like he was in his thirties. Yeah. Late twenties yeah, at his oldest. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, but, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, honestly, yeah. There's, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole generation of Spidey readers who feel that way. Yeah. Um. And and, and uh, you know, I certainly think you could do Craven's Last Hunt. You know, use that as the basis for a film. Yeah. Um. I I don't know that. You know, uh, other than you know, in in a sort of 
uh, you know, for lack of a better term, off-brand way, like the 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 Into the Spider Verse movie. Yeah. I don't know that you're really going to see uh, an adult married Spider-Man, right? Because when you're talking about what what makes that character iconic and quintessential, that's that's not really it. That th- those are really the years where it was the most off-brand, right? And I I, I completely understand for the generation. Of readers, and it was a long generation because it was a long time that that Pete and MJ were were married. Like that was their version of Spider Man, yeah, and that's completely valid. But when you look at that at that character, that series, that property, uh, you know, it's 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 fundamentally the best kid teenage property ever conceived, right? So so doing it, you know, as a as a as a an adult property or as a you know a married guy property right. is not really getting the best or the most universal out of your out of your Spider-Man you know possibly and i don't know this for for any fact but possibly if Sam Raimi had done Spider-Man 4 and Spider-Man 5 and Spider-Man 6 at some point you naturally would have gone there because at that point you would have done a bunch of stuff and we'd have watched Toby McGuire, you know, grow older and right. only so long he can, he can play that he's in college or living with Mr. Dickovich in his building or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but that's not necessarily the, the best, most universal version of Spider-Man. And that's, that's kind of why every time there's a, there's a cartoon, every time the movie's, reset every time you go back to ground you start with a young spider-man because that 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 that's what that character uh really has going it's baked into him that that that's what that character is about right uh, and it's even it's even true in into the spider-verse except there the young character is miles yeah you know, and so Miles gets to fulfill, be the lead character in that movie, and fill that role. And your older Peter B. Parker, the married and sort of depressed Spider-Man, you know, can be in counterpoint to him. Um, so, so it's not like it's impossible that you'd ever see that if the if the situation, the circumstances were were right and such. But it's right. really not the. I, I don't think it's likely that there, there's a lot of people really pushing for that to be the Spider-Man right, right. project. Right. Um, that, again, that having been said, you know, Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if you asked Mark about this when you talked to him, but I know this because I've talked to him about it in the past. Or yeah. I've read things. People have talked to him. That story was was originally conceived, and I believe even written or partially written before the decision was made to marry Peter and Mary Jane. So they really, while they are married in that story, they don't need to be. Yeah, they don't need uh, to be. I, so I think Mary Jane doesn't even have to be in it. Yeah, you could you could make you could use that as the as the the the, the raw material, the basis for for a film, um, you know, without that being a thing, and that might be a perfectly great story. Yep. To to, to make well, the basis of a Spider-Man movie, it's kind of a Craven story with Spider-Man just being in it. Yeah. Again, the only the only downside, like again, if you were going to do it as a as a film, is you have to introduce Craven. Right. You know, it's it's not just Craven's last hunt, it also ends up being Craven's first hunt, uh, which is not quite the same thing. Right. Um, you know, so you you uh, immediately you have to start retailing and and changing stuff that's interesting. and, yeah, that's and, a good point. and making it all it all work. Um, you know, and but that's 
I'll leave that to, to you know, greater minds than, than myself. <laughs> um, th- those guys don't need my help figuring out how to make uh, Spider-Man movies. Were, were you guys shocked or ready for how popular Miles Morales became? Um, I don't know. You know, a little shocked, uh, uh, you know, uh, a little prepared. Like we, we're, we're, we're always confidently unconfident, right? <laughs> you know, which, which is to say, you know, we tend to be the first audience for our ideas. Um, uh, you know, as we talk about them in the, in, in, in the room together and bounce them back and forth. And, and sometimes, you know, there are ideas that go ahead that, you know, those among us, Sometimes I'm one of them or are walking around going, that is the stupidest thing, right? <laughs> that is, that is so good to crash and burn. Why are they spending the, the energy on that? And sometimes those work and sometimes they don't, right. um, you know, so, you know, so we always, but you know, the, the whole reason this stuff gets done is that there's, there's something in the idea that excites a bunch of people. Doesn't have to be everybody that's right. there because no ideas excite absolutely everybody. But that people get excited about and see the potential of and go, yeah, okay, let's do that. Um, you know, and and so uh, you know, uh, Brian and Sarah, uh, you know, introducing Miles, you know, killing killing Ultimate Peter Parker, or introducing Miles. Part of the reason you could do that was that it was the Ultimate Universe, and you still would have uh, you know the the regular Marvel Universe. Uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man yeah. in the amazing Spider-Man book, you know, one door over, but that gave you a chance to do something, you know, sort of wild and revolutionary and take the character into a new direction and so forth in, in, in a way that was for lack of a term, it was, it was, it was safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, in, in the same way that Brian was great in, in, you know, capturing, uh, you know, the young, uh, uh, you know, modern day teenage Peter Parker and his world and his problems. Uh, you know, he was equally adept at, at, at creating this new uh, world and this new character around Miles uh, and around all of that stuff while still kind of keeping the touch points that made it feel like like Spider-Man. Um, and so it worked out, uh, you know, but it worked out because we all thought it was a, it was a, a, an idea worth doing and and I, and that there was something to it. But it was also kind of like a, a no lose proposition, because even if it had crashed and burned, you'd still have, you Peter know, Parker. Marvel Universe Spider-Man right <laughs> over there. And it's not like you couldn't have if you had to. It's not like you couldn't have resurrected Ultimate Peter Parker. Right. It would have been OK. You know, like you know, but it was an idea that that, that, I, that, I gotta, that people were into. I got to tell you, man, when when I first heard about it, I was so against Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It can't be anybody else. And and I was I was just so dead against it. And my co-host John, who's actually on with us right now, but he's uh, since you and I started talking, he's been keeping quiet. Yeah, hi, uh, uh, I'm here. <laughs> he he tried to explain to me. <laughs> the whole concept of what Miles Morales was, what it meant. And it wasn't about race or culture change or anything like that. Cause I don't care about that stuff, but it was a fact that it wasn't Peter Parker. And I was so, and then I read the story and I read, you know, and I saw the movie and I was like, crap, this is really, really good. <laughs> and it, it was really like, <laughs> now, now I'm just like, okay, well there you go. Miles Morales, one of the best characters that come out in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's that's again. That's just a testament to, to uh, you know Brian and Sarah Pakelli and and you know all the people that uh, that have have worked on that character since, including uh, you know 
uh, uh, you know, Lord and Miller on the, on the, the, the film. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that makes the characters great is, is the, the, the people behind them that come up with these stories and, and bring those, those characters to life. That's awesome. Well, Tom, we've been on for like an hour and 15. Can you believe it? I can. It's <laughs> oh, a lot can? later here than it is by you. <laughs> <laughs> is it getting late there? It's a little, it's a little on the uh, on the later side. Yeah, it's 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 at least dark. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here in a, in a dark room, so <laughs> so there's that. There's t- telling me that uh, the sun has gone down. Yeah. Well, I so much appreciate you coming on and spending some yarn with us. It's been a wonderful conversation. It really has. Um, this I'm was, hoping this was we- very nice. Maybe John, maybe we'll be able to talk sometime in the future. Right next time. Yeah, we we'll get to talk. <laughs> Well, hopefully we can get you to come on again because uh, with as much history, th- 30 years at Marvel and all the history that Marvel has, um, I feel like we could probably do another three hours without ha- blinking an eye. And so to get you c- to come back on and talk some more would be, um, well, I'd feel like it'd be a win-win for me. All right. Well, we'll just have to uh, you know, see if we can schedule it up and then I'd be happy to, to do it again at some point. Cool. Thanks, Tom, for coming on. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Sure thing. Um, you know, uh, happy to have been here. Thanks for the the excellent conversation and for uh, you know reading all the stuff that you've been reading and oh, yeah. and uh, you know keeping Marvel uh, foremost in your hearts. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, Tom. You have a good night. Yep, you too. Thanks a lot. Bye. And we're back. We are back. So what'd you think? It was you great. Were there, so I, had, I, it. I had a lot, to, a lot of fun listening into it. I, uh, I feel like I actually, this is one of the, I mean, I said this before, but I thought this is the one of the ones where I learned something listening to it, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Just cause he had such an insight. Like you ask about certain things and he'd give, he could give it from that editorial insight from behind the scenes, not just a, you know, the creator insight, but the, the company insight, you know, and it, yeah. he wasn't afraid to say his mind or what he thought about things, which was really cool. I thought it was interesting to listen how they do crossover events. Yeah. You know, and, and how I, I, he, cause it's not that big a deal with the keeping everything in like, well, he didn't quite say it's not that big a deal, but he, it's, it's not too difficult for them to keep everything in check, you know, writing everything. But to me, it's like, there's so many gears yeah. there has, you know, how do you not, <laughs> I, to me, I would, I'd want a big wall. That had right. every event and everything kind of how it mixes in together. That would help me, you know. Well, what got me was like he was saying like you know all the titles aren't required to be a part of it. And it kind of feels like, I mean, I always thought they were required. Like oh, we're doing this event, you have to be a part of this. But they can right. choose to be in if they want to, which is kind of cool. Yeah, the the main writing staff of that book can choose to be, or the 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 team, the 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 project team for that book can choose yeah. to be a part of the of the uh of the event or not but i'm wondering though is i'm sure that's definitely true 99 percent of the time but there's got to be some time well he did say sometimes it's you know we do sometimes yeah. you do have to force because it's just you know you, you can't do a mute, mutant event and not have the x-men in it right right if you're doing a, a cross spider-man event you gotta have all the spider-man books involved you know somehow yeah yeah so one thing that did kind of get me is uh and i kind of knew what the answer was but when he asked about inventory issues and he's like no yeah. we don't really do those anymore and I get why he they don't do them. I get why the current market doesn't doesn't you know lend itself to inventory issues. But I kind of love some of the filling issues from the from the old days. Yeah, you get more of the be a full story. Yeah, because you'd get more of those weird issues. 
that you, you know, weird storylines and things could change based on what an inventory issue did that they just don't get anymore. And he did say it's, it's, you know, it was a way for people to break into the business. Oh, that was the last thing I wanted to ask him. I didn't. And, you know, next time we get him on, we're going to ask him what up and coming writers and artists can do to get on the radar of Marvel. Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, that'll be next time. Yeah, next time. Ah, I feel bad for anybody listening that is an aspiring writer and artist that wants to know that information. Uh, we will do our best to get it to you because um, that's one of the things that's always a mystery. You know, it is, how do it you is. get a job at, at Marvel as a writer or as an artist without knowing somebody? You yeah. know, I think uh, who gave us, was it Eric Larson? I think gave us the best advice that you want to have. I think it was Eric Larson that you want to have. Don't show me a splash page. Don't right. show me a single pose. Show me a full book. Yeah. One of the things I read a long time ago when I was first trying to do comics, I was reading the thing. I think it was Joe Quesada. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was Joe Quesada. I was reading a thing about how to break into the comic business. It wasn't necessarily just for Marvel, but for in general. And he was like, he looks at, he looks at portfolios all day long on people who can draw splash pages or draw these dynamic poses of people. But he's like, that's not what you look for. What he looks for when he's looking at over pages for people to hire. He's looking for people who can draw backgrounds, people who can draw motions and faces. Like if you can draw... If, if you can draw cityscapes and cars and backgrounds and make things look, you know, have feeling to them, that makes yeah. more, way more sense than being able to draw, you know, a, a double page spread of Spider-Man jumping through the city. You know, it's, it's all about what you can tell the story. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so we'll try to get that from an editor's point of view at Marvel, yeah. which would be great. It will be. There you guys go. So if you love that and you want more content like that you want to learn more about comic books or maybe you just love a good interview with some interesting people beyond just comic books and directors and movie stars and tv yeah. stars which is so weird to say this but it's all true it's all and true you, you can go back into our back catalog no paywall that means you don't have to pay a, da- a damn dime to no. listen and gather all that stuff and, and check it all out because it's all right there at spoilerverse.com for you to peruse Yep, no paywall, but you can, you can if you do want to pay something. You can go to the store link right in the middle of that page. Go up, click on that store link, and go get a T-shirt or a hoodie or a sticker or something else up I'll there. Put that on and some shekels. And as of today, we just put up a new design with the, the "Open Your Mind and Read More" saying on it, to where you can get that on a T-shirt. And I just I've already ordered one, and it looks pretty cool. Well, there you go, Johnny. You what go. else is available on Spoilerverse.com? What other shows? What other articles can they check out? Oh man, so much stuff. You can get our show, you can get Haphazard Adventures, you can get Bridge in the Geekdom, some Apocalypse, coming soon, Funny Big Forensics, and uh, uh, Nerds from the Crypt, which is a new horror show. Well, not new, new to us. And we've I mean, we got, I mean, so many shows, I can't even name them all off without forgetting at least one or two. Uh, we've got articles from Sarah Kay doing the forensic, doing her, you know, forensic looking into the supernatural and paranormal. We've got Jay Roach writing about everything from his workout routine to his lunch to his favorite comic books to bands he's seen before and our bands he wants to see. So, I mean, there's so much stuff up there that if you go to spoilerverse.com, you're bound to find something you enjoy. Well, there you guys go. All right. I think that's a show, John. Yeah, that's a show, man. All right, guys, don't forget. In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And if Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more. And go buy a t-shirt. That says that, too. <laughs> <laughs>